every generation through education. Let's run down the halls, speak out of turn, break a few rules and have an honest conversation of why schools need to change. Join me, Sal Gordon, and other rule breakers as we dig into what needs to change, why and how we can pick up the pace of education reform. I think the school bell is about to ring, so let's get ready to get real. Okay. Welcome to our podcast series, the Green Educator podcast series called Regeneration Through Education. You know, the purpose of education is to prepare people and communities for the future, to build a culture that moves towards sustainability. And it's teachers, teachers that make this happen in schools. I believe that teachers are superheroes and the educators at Green School Bali are some of the top most innovative teachers on the planet. Our teachers create innovative, fun, and transformative learning experiences every day. And one such teacher who lives and breathes regeneration through education is Andy Ashton. And we're super lucky to have him here to talk about how he is educating for sustainability. Welcome, Andy, and thanks so much for being here today. How are you, mate? G'day, Sal. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, it's been another big day in the jungle. Tell you what, five minutes ago, I was running around trying to find somewhere quiet to do this because, you know, in a, in a wallless school with uh, a lot happening, um, it, it is pretty hard to find a quiet spot. But um, I found a little hideaway. I bet you don't even know where I am. I know where you are. I think you're in the Museum of Forbidden Treasures. Yeah, I am, Sal. And same with me, mate. I mean, I was I was handed this at the end of the day today, which is a, oh, yeah. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, it's yeah. a banded crate. It's a snake. As I received that maybe half an hour before we, we met. And um, that's what happens to me here, mate. I get things just given to me. There's a snake, Andy. I was like, okay, cool, yeah. thanks. Thanks, thanks for that. Hey, um, you're wearing a pretty cool T-shirt too. Before I, we jump into the, the real part of it, um, Kachan Karen, what, what does that mean? What's this going on? Mate, that means Cool Beans, and that's the name of the band that I somehow found myself in. Talk about imposter syndrome. I'm playing with some pretty amazing artists and uh, – I just basically stand there with my ukulele uh, with my fingers about half an inch away from touching the strings and pretend I'm playing. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I've seen your assemblies. You're a rock star too. So not only amazing super uh, educator, but um, rock star at Green School Bali. Um, look, I really want to get to know or get, let everyone get to know um, you a little bit more before we talk about what you're doing at Green School. So can you tell me what a favourite memory is from when you were a child at school? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think when I think back to school, I think about my family and I think about my family uh, giving me space to do stuff. My favourite memory probably would have been things like going into the bush and just making fires and cooking gum leaves in pots and making our own billy tea and breaking stuff and making stuff, playing sport, a lot of outdoor stuff, Sal. Yeah, yeah. And at school, you are able to do that at school? Um, yeah, look, there was times we went on camps they were pretty rare. Hmm. Um, I think school was probably more a place where I was sitting down a lot and then you go and play sport. But I do have fond memories of some of my teachers. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I had some great times with, with my sports teachers <laughs> and the ones who probably got to know me better than some of the other ones too, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's funny, I asked that question to a lot of educators and once I asked it to a, a room full of 200 people and got instant feedback and the majority of 
the teachers in that space said it was friendships um that their favorite memory was um i had a one one response was homework <laughs> and, yeah. and we had a little laugh about that but then we thought deeply about it and went well this one person spent a lot of time at school and their favorite memory was actually learning at home and what does that say about it yeah what did yeah, you learn homework, at school I what did you learn at school that was yeah go for it yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say homework probably would have been low on my list unless the homework was go out and go you know identify as many birds down. as i could find in my backyard um yeah, I, I mean, I learned. I probably learned the value of um, of putting up with stuff I wasn't really interested in to get to the point where I could do things that I was interested in, and then later I got better at um, making stuff I wasn't interested in interesting. So I think that's probably what I do today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. What about the other side of the spectrum? Um, what did you learn at school that you think was a total waste of time? <laughs> Look, I. What I don't remember fondly, so I was probably sitting in classrooms, writing essays and doing maths um, about stuff that wasn't really interesting for me. And mm -hmm. academically, I was middle of the road, uh, but I could tell you, you know, 20 different species of bats and I, I was dissecting frogs at home and things like that. But, you know, school systems aren't, aren't really set up to value those skills, at least where I came from. And, um, and also teachers had big, big classrooms. And so I, I sort of remember being in big classes being middle of the road, not being noticed. And then every now and then a teacher, a high caliber teacher would come along who could know you and get to know you and, and, and identify those things that you were good at mm. and use them and, you know, get you writing about the stuff you loved or get you doing maths that involved real stuff um, associated with your interests. And, you know, I think they were the best teachers, those elite teachers that could do that. And, um, you know, I, I didn't love writing or re reading at school. And then, with these teachers pushing me and giving me things I love doing, got all right at writing and, you know, I did a couple of degrees after that and I still use maths and I've taught maths and, and literacy now. And so I think there were some things that seemed like waste of time at the time, Sal, but I think looking back, those things made me realise what it's like to be a kid not enjoying school. Mm. Although I did love school, there were things I didn't love about it and um, it helped me to be a teacher now. And I, I guess I empathize with those kids who sit there sort of thinking, oh, you know, couldn't we do something more fun? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's make this fun. Let's think of a way of making this fun. So, yeah. Well, we're pretty lucky to have you as a teacher here. The world's lucky to have you as a teacher. And you're probably one of those teachers that you talk about to many of the kids that you, you know, that, that awesome teacher that comes along. Um, but let's give us, give us a short intro of who you are as an educator. When did it start? Where did it start? How did you come here to Green School? Well, just tell me that short intro of you as an educator. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I've been teaching Australia for a long time. Yeah, maybe a couple of couple of decades, as it said on the, my bio, which made me feel very old. Um, and it was mainly conventional schools, but I was always trying to bust out and do things that were a bit different. And then I got uh, the job at Green School and I was able to do those different things as a job. And now my job titles, primary and early years Green Studies teacher. Um, and I teach with an amazing Indonesian co-teacher, Pakari. I, I've taught with many Indonesian teachers here. Very, very lucky to have them along. And um, I guess what I really believe is, um, is that I'm teaching with empathy here. And so I guess my job title should include empathy because that's what I do all day is try to think about how the kids are thinking, what they like doing, what's nature thinking, what does it want us to do, what doesn't it want us to do, and how can we learn from it? Mm. Awesome. Let's take a little step back and 
why Green School? What was the motivation? Or can you remember the first time you heard about Green School and that gap between when you joined? Yep. I joined it for the salary, Sal. <laughs> no, just joking. Just joking, mate. Uh, <laughs> I joined Green School because this place is a beautiful. It's just a beautiful place to be. And I absolutely love every moment here. I'm just looking around this room. I mean, I'll, I'll move my, my camera around. Mm. Look at it. You know, it's it's built, it's not just bamboo. It's giant lice. You see that big statue? That's a giant lice statue that's stuck to our roof that we look at every day. You know, it's at my, my door here is just, I don't know, it's a bit glary, but there's just jungle everywhere. I mean, I love that. That's where I want to be. But I also believe in this place as a values-driven, action-based community doing something about the way that human beings are are going at the moment. And, um, you know, my kids are here. I want them to be here. I want them to be doing this. And um, I'm fully invested, Sal, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and the money is great in the education revolution, isn't it? <laughs> so um, you did say you're the lowest school, which is at Green School Bali, we have four different learning neighbourhoods. We have an early years program, primary school, middle school, and high school. Early years and primary school um, come together as a lower school and you are the lower school green studies teacher can you tell us all what is green studies Oof. yeah ask that a lot Sal. um yeah. it's usually when i'm walking around with a dead snake in my hand or i'm half up a coconut tree and and you know someone will say to me later on in the, in the line to get some lunch what is green studies like that mm. um or sometimes it's wow what is green studies um i prefer it that way around um mm. I guess I look at it like it's a, an opportunity to sort of provide experiences for for kids using nature as a guide. And that's our mantra here. We say, let's let nature be our guide. Um, it's the sort of stuff that we a lot of us did as kids and our, all our ancestors have been doing for millennia. It's things like playing in the mud, making fires, tracking animals, picking and eating wild foods, studying the beauty of leaves, going on adventures, looking for mysterious fruits, getting wet in the rain, making a mudslide, you know, watching dead animals decompose. I've got a gecko over there that's decomposing right now and it's very smelly. And we're going to take that gecko and put the skeleton back together, you know, stuff like that that are just fun, interesting, different, unique activities. Um, I think that's what Green Studies is. It's it's more a collection of things um, with nature as the absolute anchor point. A fair bit of science. There's science in there. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's the, the entire uh, program is science. It's it's zoology, it's biology, it's geology, it's everything that you can you can have as science. But it's not sitting down with a textbook and looking up, you know, masses of facts or stats. It's it's more getting into it, feeling it, holding it, smelling it, and then coming back into the classroom. Yeah, sometimes we get out laptops and have a look and see what things are. But generally, it's like let's get curious let's let's start something with these kids and start a fire and then watch where that fire goes later um it's also tailored like i, I shouldn't say it's just about every kid getting into the into a, a weedy creature filled pool you know we have kids from let's say we have kids from singapore who might turn up and they've never touched mud i've, I've had a kid who's never touched mud before this year and it was like okay our job is to get you to touch mud and by the end of this term, hopefully you'll be playing in it. And yeah, so far it's it's going well. They've touched mud and they're doing it. We've had kids who have 
been from Oregon in the States who have tracked animals with First Nations leaders. And it's like, all right, you are teaching me today. Take me on a trip. Show me how to find the animal tracks and let's go. So mm. it's tailored and it's and it's unique to the the people and the environment and the things that are going on that particular day. Well, and we're talking about doing this with three-year-olds sometimes, yeah? Yep. So three-year-olds through to sort of 11. Mm. Uh, the three-year-olds are incredible. We call them geckos here because they are like little geckos and they just cling cling to everything. Um, they are my, I shouldn't have favorites, but I do love them so much because they're just open-eyed sponges who just, everything's amazing. Things can be a bit scary, but as long as you sort of model being brave, they just take after you. And, um, yeah, I've had some geckos who are now sort of in about what grade one, three or something like that. And it's lovely to see them get bigger and get bolder. Mm. You think that, that age, they're not so disconnected mm. well they're not jaded are they they're not yeah. they're not like i sometimes am when i you know i work here and I, I i feel like i'm doing good here and then i go home and uh, i feel like sometimes the things i do at home aren't exactly what is needed for the earth but they don't have that they have that just wide-eyed appreciation and love for everything around them they're fearful of things they're excited by things they have raw emotions and you know, it doesn't take, it's a cliche, but you look at them and you think, all right, well, what's going to happen to them? You know, what are they going to be living in? Can we make this place, can we make them love the place rather than fear what nature is? And if you love the, if you love the place where you live, you want to protect it. And so I guess it's genuinely satisfying seeing little kids like that learning and loving nature. Yeah. And that's big. I know we're, let's go off script um, because you know, at Green School, we're not throwing the major environmental challenges. You know, we understand environmental stages of readiness. Yeah. Um, and for the youngest learners, it's just about providing opportunities for that natural innate awe of us as natural beings living in a natural world rather than somehow it's turned the opposite, hasn't it? That, you know, we're humans here and the natural world is over there. And often people talk about how we can connect uh, or provide connections back with nature when that connection's really never been broken. Like we're, we're a part of this, uh, regardless yep. of, of what sort of happened. Um, yep. and so for, for our earlier students, you know, it's, it is really about just, well, maybe, you know, reawakening or igniting or, um, keeping it going somehow this natural awe of nature, you know, I've never seen, you never see a kid you know i go spend time in early years um and the hose the hose is the favorite toy <laughs> water pure just just water that's uh, and there's a fascination watching it and they don't really understand that it's gravity here and it's doing this and they don't understand it's you know two hydrogens and an oxygen they don't have this academic understanding of it but they've got such a pure appreciation of this thing that just we just turn the tap on clean our teeth and and don't understand they're playing with it like i said it's their favorite toy so totally. it's, it's it's a pretty cool thing it's a cool thing mate and and you know when you said that it made me think about the kids who who maybe and i, I say you know what's your favorite thing today and i've had a kid say gaming and i've got to go home when i get home i'm going to do some gaming tonight so like, okay cool 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 so that's your favorite thing from today being at green school and i'm like okay let's see if we can make today a bit more of a favorite for you 
And that same kid, we went on a, a hunt for a, a mysterious fruit that we had smelled um, somewhere in the school. And we had the fruit in our in our bags, we're waiting to sort of, don't tell the kids, but we were sort of casting them off into the into the jungle and saying, oh, I think they're around here. I can smell them. And this kid was like, I can't, I can't do this walk because we were walking through quite a adventurous, uh, risky, feel, risky feeling sort of uh, jungle area. And I said to him, mate, you can do it because everyone, every one of your ancestors has done this. Every one of them has been on treks to look for fruit mm. right back thousands and thousands of grandparents. And you've got that in you. You might mm. not have done it for a while and your parents might not have done it for a while, but everybody else behind them has done it. And, you know, the sense of that kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's in my DNA. Okay, yeah, I, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, they gave it a shot and they made it. So, mm. yeah, it's there. It's there waiting to be ignited, mate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's in our DNA. All right. Hey, in terms of learning opportunities for students and the Green Studies program, what's a little bit different, do you think, than um, what's provided by normal schools? You said that you'd spent a, a fair bit of time in schools before coming to Green School. So what's different about the learning opportunities for students in green studies? Um, I think that this place allows space and spontaneity. Um, I think I've sort of crystallised it down to those two things. I think the space, this, as we've talked about, this place is a, a beautiful space to learn in. It has plenty of uh, jungle and, and and natural areas. And then the spontaneity is a mindset at this school where it's like, okay, if it's raining, you're allowed to go and get the kids wet uh if it's if it's blowing a gale it's fine go down to the go down to the river and and try and make a kite out of a leaf just do it don't worry about the planning you've got just go and do that and make the most of this this moment um having said that at other schools i've been at there's been that and i think everyone knows the kids love that the kids love routine but they also love when something changes when it starts raining and you say let's go and collect water in a saucepan and measure how much rain's coming down and get wet. They're like, they shut their books pretty quick and run out. So I think that's, it's there in most schools, wait bubbling away again. And the space is there too. I mean, I don't want to talk, not everybody can have a school like this. And I've taught in urban schools where it's like, but let's turn part of the car park into a wilderness area and let's make a tiny little three by three meter area into a, a zone where no kids can go, no no humans can go, and only nature can go and see what comes along. And, you know, we've set up a camera in places like that and we've seen little mice come in or a rat. And it's like, cool, there's wildlife here. This is awesome. Uh, let's let's talk about that. What else could be around? So, yeah, I think there's, there's opportunities for that everywhere. There's opportunities for that in your lounge room. There's spiders in every corner of your roof that are just waiting for a magnifying glass to have a look at them. Um, there's ants running around on the bench that that need to be studied and just kids love it. And uh, I think that's where schools probably fall down where it's like, oh no, we can't do that because we don't have the, we don't have the space or we don't have the the mindset of doing things on the spur of the moment. But I think you can make that happen, especially when you've got teachers who are keen to do it and, and parents to assist and kids who are up for it. Requires a fair bit of, to allow spontaneity in your classroom, that um, critical chaos sort of concept. Um, requires a, a sort of skill set from an educator too to be comfortable with that. Is that something that you think you've always had or is developing? Yeah, you know, it's developing, it's Sal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. I was going to say it's developing definitely every day. It's I mean, it's often the, 
that the uh, temptation of teachers is to stick to the plan because you know what you're doing and it's comfortable. Um, maybe that's my my personality, Sal. I'm a bit of a spontaneous guy and I like to just go and do stuff. Um, I think that probably helps. But I also think that that's what the kids want to do. They love following. If they smell something, they want to go and see what that thing is. And if they if they hear something, they want to investigate. So I think having the backing of some knowledge, like probably I'm, I'm not science trained, but I've spent a lot of time uh, learning about nature and it helps to, just, if I hear a bird sound, if I know what it is, it helps to be able to say, oh, that's a thing. I know where they live. Let's go and look for it. Whereas some teachers might not have that background and, and might find it more challenging. But if you are into nature, you should be teaching it. And if you're teaching it, you should be into nature. And I think that's that's a prerequisite to be that sort of a person for this sort of a job um, and to make it happen. Yeah, awesome. So we've talked about a few sort of experiences in there. I know you're not allowed to have favorites, mate, but um, sure. what are some more impactful learning experiences or learning activities in your Green Studies program? Mate, I almost, I was picking up my water bottle. I almost picked up this snake and had a drink. That was close. <laughs> it's alcohol, but I don't think you're supposed to drink that. No, um, could turn, this podcast could turn crazy if you drank that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Favorites. I think, favorites. Um, yeah. So anything that involves multi age kids, I love. And anything that involves pushing kids and adults out of their comfort zone, I love as well. So two things that come to mind would be that. Uh, we did a bird's nest, bird's nest activity. We do it every year, I think, the last two years, uh, two or three years. So we first of all talk about birds on campus. And then if it's usually we start with the younger kids and we go outside looking for bird tracks and we find some. And then we find some really big ones like but they've come from that giant lice, you know, three meters long bird tracks that look like birds. Or maybe what is that? It's a dragon. It's a, maybe it's, oh, maybe it's a dinosaur. Yeah, let's follow that. And so off we go and we follow the tracks with the little kids and we come to a fork in the road. We have to send scouts off to find the tracks and then we follow it. These kids don't know, obviously, that the grade fives or the older kids from the day before have been making a giant bird's, a giant bird's nest or giant dragon's nest made out of giant logs anything they can carry and they've made this enormous you know human sized nest three meters wide really fun like it's just stacking wood up and it's super fun to make and then they put you know coconuts or giant boulders inside it and paint them white if they want to make them look like eggs and then these little kids follow the tracks and they just stumble upon a giant dragon's nest and just the wonder and the discussions and the talk that happens after that just love it. I, I don't even, we don't say anything. We're just like, let them, just let them come up with their theories, see what they come up with. And that's beautiful. And then the rites of passage stuff, I love and challenging kids. We've done some stuff where we're taking them into out of their comfort zone. So there's a, there's a swimming pool here. A swimming pool is fairly loose term for it because it's more like a, a swampy kind of watery Loch Nessy sort of seeming place that has weed in it and all sorts of crabs and creatures and no one goes in it. I think people used to go in it and then people don't go in it anymore. And so we did this activity where we said to the grade fives, you're going to try and push your limits. We're going to try and push our limits as teachers. And all we want you to do is just go a little bit further than what you think you can. 
And so one by one, they came down. There was no peer pressure. It was just us with the teachers with one kid at a time with a big build up. We did a fire. We did a, a ceremony where we wrote down our worries, we did lots and lots of build up and, and um, scaffolding before we did it. Talked about fear, talked about harnessing fear, talked about nerves, talked about excitement and the difference between nerves and excitement. And then we got them one by one to go in. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? And we have kids who put a toe in and you're like, yes, awesome. Do you reckon you get your foot in? Foot goes in. Do you reckon you can get your whole leg in? No, I couldn't do that. Come on, I reckon you could. The whole leg goes in and that might be what they do. And it's like you did a lot better than one toe. And then you have the kids who go straight in and you have to challenge them to go underwater. And then you have to challenge them to go underneath some bamboo and see if there's a, we think that there might be a, a water monitor's nest, a giant lizard's nest at the back. Do you reckon you can see if there's one there? And, you know, kids will actually go and look into a very, very murky spot to see what they can see. Mind you, this pool's been cleaned out by the security and it's it's safe. But it doesn't feel safe and it doesn't look safe. It it It's not, I mean, I did it. All the teachers did it first because we were like, we have to do it if they're going to do it. And I went underwater and it was not a fun feeling. I did not want to touch the bottom. That was my uh my boundary and so i said to the kids i do not want to touch that bottom because i know what's in there but i gave it a i gave it a go and it was horrible but it you know you just come out of something like that i, I had the feeling of what they had that sort of like the feeling you can only get when you do something you didn't think you could do and you you beat your personal best you scared yourself and you came out the other side you know surface say you get stoked it's sort of like that just whole body adrenalized feeling and uh, yeah, stuff like that's just the best. Wow. And this is, you're talking about your job as a teacher here. So let's, um, re let's remember two hours a week you get to spend with, yep. yeah, two hours a week. A little bit less, yeah. but yeah, depends on the day, less. on the week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, if other teachers are out there thinking, wow, this is sort of impossible in there in their scope, in their school, in their role, we're, we're not talking about, you know, changing everything, but providing opportunities for students to not only connect with nature, but be challenged by nature and to experience nature as their, as their grandparents, 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 how we as a species have, have experienced nature. And you'd think a little bit less than two hours a week's doable. Yeah. Yep. And I think I it's, reckon. you know, we have dedicated time to it which is the best hmm. but it's not that difficult to find those little bits you know if you're teaching maths the the mantra in maths is get maths into everything that you do you know get it get it integrated and same with nature it's like okay we're going to be doing i don't know we're going to read about a famous person you know let's let's talk about where they lived and sort of what what did they do where did they go you know where did darwin walk what did he do when he was coming out with these theories and I think there's opportunities for nature-based stuff everywhere you go. And it doesn't really doesn't have to be outside. It can be very much inside. We talked about, you know, some of the things that you can find inside, but I mean, I've got a, I've got a book here for example. I mean, it doesn't, I say textbooks aren't great. This is a book that I show the kids on poo. I mean, this, this book is poo. about tr tracks and poo scats. <laughs> you show that to kids, you've got an hour of hilarity that follows and so much learning. My favorite poo is this one, the wombat poo. You know why, oh, yeah. Sal? Well, what's going on with the wombat poo? It's, it's cube-shaped. And it's cube-shaped because they, the theory is that they do it on top of things like logs and any sort of feature that sticks out. 
and it's so it doesn't roll off. You would have seen it in Australia with little cube-shaped poos on top of logs when you go walking. I mean, that that's that's a poo book. You don't even need to go outside. I got this. You, Want to see this? Yeah, Look yeah. This. These are just feathers. Like everyone has. It doesn't matter where you are. There's always feathers. One of the teachers, uh-huh. Augustine, brought in some feathers. And we just stuck them on here, and like you just get the kids to find out where they're from. That's yeah. just basic stuff. It's not. Well, if you find a bone, here's a bone. See this bone? Check that out. <laughs> that's a that's a goat's pelvis. I just found it when I was on holidays, and just brought it in. And like the amount of stuff that the kids talk about with that, it's they don't have to leave the classroom to do that. Just bring in any bone. Bring in your, your cow bone from dinner if you had. I don't know if you have roast beef. Bring it in. Get them to look at it. Talk about it. All right. So here's a big question. Let's get away from the poo. Although we could just we could actually turn this into a, a podcast on poo. Yeah, that's a good name. But, see um, some more. I can show you. What about those little ones? This is some little poos. No, we, let's stop. Let's stop with the poo. A podcast on poo. That's next week's version, everyone. Um, no, look, this is regeneration through. I see this as regeneration through education. And we're talking about regenerative practices, sustainability, sustainable futures. But how is what you're doing regeneration through education? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's regeneration is the, the buzzword now, and it's a better one a better one than sustainable because it it's like we can't keep going the way we are we have to actually do better we have to we have to heal so i hope that what we do here is is healing is aiming to heal and and then aiming to come up with new systems that will keep on healing and and yeah and regenerate the way things are going i think that i follow skills and values based stuff i love that this school does that the values the values-based curriculum here, I just love it. And I think that, you know, as I talked about before, empathy is a big one for me. And um, I think if we can foster things like empathy and integrity and all those sort of values we have here, you can you can find yourself, you just start regenerating things without even realizing it. I mean, if you can empathize with, if you can empathize with compost, if you can look at compost and go, instead of just being a pile of kitchen scraps, it's actually a big bunch of little bugs who are on the planet just like you eating stuff who just want to eat more and want to turn it into something that we can use that's what they want to do that's what they love doing you know if you can empathize with the smallest most non-human thing on the planet uh, on the animal kingdom it's like well i feel like there's a chance to to regenerate and to go go in a direction that's less harmful but it starts with the kids and it also starts with the kids telling their parents because there's been a couple of generations where that hasn't been happening and, um, and I'm as guilty as anyone. So, yeah, I think getting the kids involved in it and getting them to activate, not just learn and go home and then just go and buy takeaway and chuck the plastic in the bin, but actually learn, go home and change the way that you live because you want to. Well, so I think you're doing it, mate. I, I know, I know you're doing it. I know you're re- providing a regenerative tool in a way, a mechanism for regeneration. It's awesome. Hey, there is a, a bit in the chat that's allowing for a couple of questions at the end of this, and we're near, we, we, we've probably only got about ten minutes left. Um, so I've got one question. It's from uh, Nick Lane. Nick Lane's a green educator friend. Um, 
That's cool. We'll get to your questions. We'll probably take two. So we've got one. So if you are listening now and you've got a question, it'll be first come, first serve for the next question. But before we do that, and to give you a little bit of time to, to get a question in the chat, um, I like to finish off with a little bit of fun, a little bit of teacher word association. So put your teacher hat on and I'm going to ask you a few words. And I, I haven't like prepped you too much with this. I might throw a couple of curveballs your way. Um, mm -hmm. So when I say a word, you know how it works. When I say a word, you've just got to tell me exactly, you know, point firm form, single form. You can give me a sentence if you like, but what comes into your mind straight away? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First one's easy. Green. Green. I would say overused. Uh, my favorite color. I like regenerating and regenerative more. Ah, cool. Nature. Uh, that would be my friend and my teacher cool exams uh i just felt my whole body tense then so that's weird um oh. i'd say helpful for some and hurtful for others number four would be the fourth word is music music um bird song river bamboo rustling in the breeze and ACDC. And Kachan Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Textbooks. Merch what about available. textbooks? We talked a little bit about textbooks and it's in there. It's on my list of word association. Textbooks. What do you think? Yeah, I love them. I love them. But only if there's stuff that, that kids like. Only stuff that kids like. If it's stuff that is going to bore them, yeah, I'd maybe stick to poo books. Next word. Classroom. Classroom. Good to get out of and nice to go into when it's you're ready to go home. And last one, the future. Um, the future, it feels a lot better when I'm teaching here. And I'm going to keep on thinking that way because anything else is not useful. Mm, true. Oh, that was pretty good. You got you, you, I'm pretty sure you're too prepared for this. I thought um, you were going to say love, and I think my mum might be on one of the uh, watches. Oh, I was okay. to, I love, love you, mum. Love. Yeah, mum. Mum and dad and my sister. Yeah, love them very much. <laughs> you could have messaged me that one. Yeah. And my mum's listening too. I love you too, mum. Hey, um, there is a couple of questions, and Nick Lane's the green educator who's connected with us. Kia Nick. Um, I'm going to ask you a question to Andy because he might be able to read it. But it says, what opportunities do you have to develop an understanding of Indigenous knowledge systems from your Indonesian colleagues? Such an awesome question. And, you know, I've thought about this a lot coming from Australia where, you know, it's, it's, it's big and it's, it's a huge thing that we, we need to think about and we need to teach and we do do our best to teach what well, I have in the past at many schools, but here it's a, it's a tricky one. And um, the indigenous people here um, or first nations, whatever the, the term you'd like to use, it's a, it's a bit of a hidden area and it's too big to go into now, but it's something I'd like to teach more of. And I think we have a lot of Indonesian cultures put through this course. It's just all, all through it. But Indigenous First Nations type stuff is not really big uh, at, at this school. And not I don't think it's very big across Bali or Indonesia, but I visited a few places and so I'm sure you have too, where the uh, they call them the Orang Asli, the original people, um, still have villages and I think that's something that really needs to be put into the curriculum and really put into every 
program. And thank you, Nick, for bringing it up because that's something I want to look at this year. I appreciate that. I'm just going to check the chat. And if there's no other questions, we might wrap. Um, I can see you. I can see one, Sal. I can see your mum. Um, your mum sent your love heart. That's great. Uh, thanks, mum. I can see I'm one here, Sal. Can you talk great. a little? It says, can you talk a little bit about? Um, oh, yeah. Reassuring, reassuring parents, parents. Yeah. Outside risk yeah. and stuff. Snakes in the lake, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in a yep. city school in Istanbul, shouting out back to, to Istanbul, yeah, where you're facing, well, yeah, challenges from protesting parents. Let's talk about that a little bit. We've got a couple yeah. of minutes and then we'll wrap. Sure, sure. I think for parents, uh, parents being part of your program is huge and they, ha they have to support you. And they'll usually support you if their kids are having a great time. That's the bottom line. So I think the way you start that is you get the kids to start loving it. And yeah. There's snakes here. And whenever a kid says to me, oh, I saw a snake in my kitchen, which is a daily thing. I just say, oh, great. What color was it? Not, oh my God, are you okay? And, you know, I might be a bit different to the average person, but if you can start to foster that sense of like wonder rather than that sense of fear with the kids, I think it flows onto the parents. But mm. yes, there are going to be risks at schools. There always are, you know, monkey bars break arms and legs every year and it's, most schools, especially in Australia, they're just things that are in the in the playground because we just accept that risk. We don't want anyone to get really badly hurt, obviously, but we do want our kids to take risks and we want to do it in a way that they come out of it feeling feeling stoked and feeling amazing. Um, so I think not fighting the parents on this, but getting the kids to appreciate what risk is and having a few risks and enjoying the feeling of getting through them would do wonders for the parents' um, peace of mind. Hmm. No, I can see the, the chat room's filling up with questions. We're going to close this. Um, right. There's another question there about what activities that you do in the green school that can be applied in a city school. I think we've sort of we've spoken a little bit about that. So, um, you know, bringing nature into your classroom is something I think, you know, teachers feel like maybe they can't do. Um, so, so what about parents? I mean, we've talked about teachers, but parents can do it too. And I mean, I think, you know, that's where... It, all schooling starts. And I think that even if you're not into nature as much as you want your kids to be, it's still, there's just so many opportunities. Like, you know, uh, get a subscription to National Geographic and just put the book there on the table. Um, if you see something at the market that's interesting, just buy a weird fruit and have it for dinner. Um, get your kids cooking, get them trying new stuff, get them tasting things. If there's something smelly in your backyard, go and smell it and talk about it. And I think that's the hardest things I found as a parent is sometimes you're just like, okay, I've got soccer tonight and then we're going to get dinner ready and then we're going to get them into bed and then tomorrow we're going to get up early and go to school. And it's sort of like, hang on a sec, uh, I've got to make time for these moments that I can have with my kids to give them those moments of nature appreciation and love and the, the, the feeling of, like the feeling of trying a new fruit that you love. Today, we tried tamarind for the first time. A lot of kids tried it for the first time, and it's like you just see their face light up, and it, it costs two bucks at the shops, and you just go and buy it and just chuck it on the table, and you'll just start that that feeling of wonder and appreciation of things rather than, yeah, maybe go down the path of what's easiest uh, and maybe go down the path of what's more interesting. Mm. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for your time. Look, we are going to wrap. Um, at Green School Bali, we've created a new model of education. 
we're not the perfect school. Um, there's no rainbows and unicorns here, but we have created a new model of what a school can look like, how it functions and what we teach and how we learn in our classrooms and in nature. We believe that schools should be communities that educate for a sustainable future. And we believe that education is a change mechanism tool for regeneration. We live in a fast changing world. We all know that and with increasingly complexity of future challenges. Therefore, education itself needs to be fast changing. The world needs education to change and for students that we educate and for the planet that we live on. It's huge gratitude to you, Andy. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your superpower with us today. I've loved the talk through about poo, the spontaneity, the risk-taking, the connection to nature. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and I know anyone that's watching this is um, would have fully enjoyed this. Uh, please check us out on the Green Educator course and the Green Educator Network if you want to know more. Um, yeah, Andy, honestly, thanks so much. Um, we're great mates, everyone. We're great mates. Um, we worked together for a while. We're both Australians and we've got a connection, but I've learned a lot about you today. And so I thank you personally um, for thanks, step, stepping into this and, and doing what you're doing at Green School Bali. Thanks, thanks so Al. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for everyone coming along. It's nice to see yeah. all those faces and names and um, happy naturing, everyone. Yeah. Okay, everyone, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoy the episode of Regeneration Through Education. Goodbye and see you again soon. Take care. Goodbye. See you later. Regeneration through education.